Today we've had a, a significant development internationally and worldwide, so I just thought I'd open up with a quick quick, quick word of prayer and uh, we can go from there. Lord, I just thank you for this day and for the way you watch over us and protect us. I just praise you for your mercies and your grace for where we've fallen so short. I just lift up this time in our world. I just pray that you would give our leaders wisdom and insights, understanding as to how best to move forward and how to uh, take care of their people and be the leaders that, that we need them to be and that you want them to be. I pray that their hearts and their minds would be open to you, to your words and your guidance, and that you would be speaking to them and telling them the, the directions in which they should go. And Lord, I just pray that you would keep the people of Ukraine safe watch over them. I know people have already died. And I just pray that you'd watch over them and that you would give their uh, their leaders and their people the right understanding as to how to move forward, the things to do, the things to say, the actions to take. And I just pray most of all that you would be there providing your mercy and your grace, that you would protect them and that you would be you would show them your love and that they would turn to you and that it would be an awakening for you and the understanding of the people of how wonderful you really are. I just pray for the world community to make good decisions, to focus on what's important and what's right, and that we would make and do your will, not our own. I pray our leaders would be selfless and that they would have a heart that truly is for the people. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I'm not going to really go, go into any detail or comment much on what's happening. Um, everyone has their opinions and challenges. All I know is that, unfortunately, people are dying. and uh, But people die every day. But the most important thing is, where are they going to go when they do die? Are they going to heaven? Are they going to hell? Do they have a relationship with God? Are they able to work on their journeys? Have they been working on their journey? And... Are they really, you know, living that life for Christ so that when they do when they do pass on, when all of us pass on, do we hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? And are their family members able to rest in peace knowing they'll see him again one day and that they're in the arms of, of God and enjoying the afterlife? So, anyways, with that, we're in uh, Isaiah 30. I really enjoy Isaiah Isaiah 30. It's a it's a very interesting book. Sometimes I don't really know why I'm why I like it so much. <laughs> it gets confusing at times. But there's so many different pieces in it that just, you know, I I enjoy it talks to me and it leads me to other places in the Bible. So, with that I'm just going to start in verse 1. Woe to the obstinate nation. Woe to the obstinate children, declares the Lord. To those who carry out plans that are not mine, forming an alliance, but not by my spirit, heaping sin upon sin, who go down to Egypt without consulting me, who look to, for help to Pharaoh's protection, to Egypt's shade for refuge. 
But Pharaoh's protection will, will be to your shame. Egypt's shade will bring you disgrace. Though they have officials in zone and their envoys have arrived in Haines, everyone will be put to shame because of a people useless to them, who bring neither help nor advantage, but only shame and disgrace. So basically, it's the Israelites have yoked themselves unequally with the Egyptians. Instead of looking to the Lord for their salvation and their safety and their well-being, they've looked to the Egyptians. They've turned to them for their safety and their their um, their protection. And as the, the word says, that's not going to go well for them. God isn't pleased by it. And eventually, neither will be the Egyptians. They'll consider them useless. Uh, verse 6. A prophecy concerning the animals of Negev. Through a land of hardship and distress, of lions and lionesses, of adders and darting snakes, the envoys carry their riches on donkeys' backs, their treasures on the humps of camels, to that unprofitable nation, to Egypt, whose help is utterly useless. Therefore I call her Rahab the do-nothing. Go now, write it on a tablet for them, inscribe it on a scroll, that for the days to come it may be an everlasting witness. For these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instructions. Whenever I read these things, these examples, I always wonder, who's my Egypt? Is it God? Or am I going to some other, to some other, you know, protection, comfort? security versus God. And I'll tell you right now, one of the things that's that's happening to me is I'm looking for work. I'm looking for a job. And I uh, keep looking for that. And I trust God. I keep praying and getting closer to him. But at the same time, I, I look at that job as something more than just a paycheck. I look at it, you know, potentially as security. I look at it as um, more than security, it's, it's kind of an identification of a little bit of who I am. So I would then wonder when I read these things, is that job, whatever it may be, is that my Egypt? Do I really need to turn it, or turn away from it, or just truly turn it over to him? And if he said, go be a ditch digger, or which there's nothing wrong with that, um, but go do something that I'm not very adept at, um, would I? And, you know, should I go work on mercy ships? Um, Should I go to the Congo? Yeah, who knows, whatever. That's a dumb comment, because I'm not competent for mercy ships, and I would die of sunstroke or whatever in the Congo, or just get eaten by something in in the... Anyways, I'm rambling, sorry. Anyway, so what's my Egypt? What's your Egypt? And that's really what it comes down to when I read these. For these are, back to nine, for these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instructions. They say to the seers, see no more visions, and to the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things, prophecy illusions, or prophesy illusions. Leave this way, get off this path, and stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. So that's where you're really looking at the the prophets and the seers, um, they, they told Israel God's word. They told them the truth. And the, the truth, you know, the old saying, truth hurts. 
when people are sinning, they don't want to hear. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear the word. They want to stay in their, in their um, sin and not be confronted by it. And I know I've been there. So I understand what they're going through. Therefore, this is what the Holy One of Israel says. Because you have rejected this message, relied on, the, on oppression, and deepened on deceit, depended on deceit, this sin will become for you like a hot high wall cracked and bulging that collapses suddenly in an instant. It will break in pieces like pottery, shattered so mercilessly that among its pieces not a fragment will be found for taking coals from a hearth or scooping water out of a cistern. So they'll be absolutely crushed by their sin. And that, but that sin is of their own doing. It's their own choice. They're sitting there, you know, saying, no, I don't want to hear that I'm doing wrong and change and repent. Instead, they're letting it happen. And eventually, like all sin, it catches up to them. I know in my own life, I've done things that I'm not proud of. But I kept doing them, even though I knew they were wrong. You know, God kept talking to me in my, in my heart. And I knew his voice. I heard his voice. And I, was, I created that high wall. And then, sure enough, it fell on me and crushed me. So I understand. I understand that. And that's probably why this next ver- set of verses is, is so special to me and important. This is what the Sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel, says. In repentance and rest is your salvation, and quietness and trust is your strength. But you have you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. A thousand will flee at the retreat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away till you are left like a flagstaff on a mountaintop, like a banner on a hill. And this is what's so important because that's exactly what's happening. When I am sinning, and I know I am, and I'm not listening to the voice, I'm fleeing instead. I'm going in the opposite direction, and I'm rebelling. I'm getting on a swift horse and riding away. But then all of a sudden, at the end of, the, end of it, you're on, a, you're on a hilltop by yourself for all to see, and you're alone. And that's the peril of sin. It's that loneliness, that, that being without God. God isn't there with you. He's not hanging out, keeping you company. Your friends aren't usually either. Because eventually they leave when you're committing sins. And it's they don't even have to know the sins. Or they may not even know that it's wrong. They may not be Christians. But at some point they bail on you. And there you are. You're standing on the hill like a banner. By yourself when in reality if you just repented and rested in the Lord that would have been your salvation verse 18 yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you which I don't understand because when I'm being a, a when I'm deep in sin I'm not a person that I don't I don't understand how God wants to be gracious to me and how he longs to be gracious to me but therefore he will rise up to the sh- to show you compassion for the lord is the god of justice blessed are all who wait for him he longs to be gracious he wants and will show us compassion once we repent 
People of Zion who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious will he will be when you cry for help, i.e., God, I can't do this by myself anymore. I can't keep doing this. Forgive me. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the, you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear, the, hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. Walk in it. Then you will desecrate your idols, overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a menstrual cloth and say to them, Away with you. So when you finally do repent, and your God longs to hear the repentance, and for you to say, I, I need you, he jumps into action, he hears our cries, and he will then take us by the hand and direct us. He will speak to us and tell us the way to go. And our eyes will be open and we'll see, man, those idols I created, that Egypt I was relying on is gone. It's not, it wasn't ever the important thing. So my bank accounts, my friends, my boat or whatever it might be, that's all worthless. That's useless. It is, you know, most of those things cost money that we count on, that we love or we think we love. And so they are covered in gold, but they get, they lose their importance when we turn back to the Lord. He will also send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground, and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. In that day your cattle will graze in broad meadows. The oxen and donkeys that work the soil will eat fodder and mash, spread out with fork and shovel. In the day of great slaughter, when the towers fall, streams of water will flow on every high mountain and every lofty hill. The moon will shine like the sun, and the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven full days when the Lord binds up the bruises of his people and heals the wounds he inflicted. So when you turn, your life changes. Eventually, blessings come. And there's fruit, they're fruitful. And the hurts get bound. And you now recover. And the day is brighter than you've ever seen those days when you lived in darkness and you didn't think there was ever going to be another bright day, the days will be brighter than anything you can remember. There's, you know, the day is seven times greater. The sun is shining seven times more than you ever remembered. See, the name of the Lord comes from afar with burning anger and dense clouds of smoke. His lips are full of wrath and his tongue is a consuming fire. His breath is like a rushing torrent rising up to the neck. He shakes the nations in the sieve of destruction. He places it in the jaws of the peoples a bit that leads them astray. And you will sing, as on the night you celebrate a holy festival, your hearts will rejoice. And when people playing pipes go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the rock of Israel, the Lord will cause people to hear his majestic voice and will make them see his arm coming down with raging anger and consuming fire, with cloudburst, thunderstorm, and hail. The voice of the Lord will shatter Assyria. With his rod he will strike them down. Every stroke the Lord lays on them with his punishing club will be the music of, of timbrels and harps as he fights them in battle with the blows of his arm. Tapeth has long been prepared. It has been made ready for the king. 
His fire pit has been made deep and wide with an abundance of fire and wood. The breath of the Lord, like a streaming of stream of burning sulfur, sets it ablaze. Now that last part, I'm not 100% sure is exactly what it's referring to. Is it referring to back to the end times, the destruction of those who never turned? Are they or not? You know, I, I don't know. But the key is God longs for our repentance. He longs for us to ask for forgiveness. And as soon as we do, he's there and he shows us the errors of our ways. Then the true teacher, the Holy Spirit, tells us, go right or left. And we get rid of those things that we were counting on, those Egypts, those idols. And we move forward with him and he blesses us. And he then protects us against those who would do us harm, i.e. Assyria. So, I love this book. I love this this chapter. It just has so many different elements in it. It shows me so often when when I'm failing or what I'm doing and how I need to change. And with that, I'm just going to close this with prayer. I would tell you that there, the website, um, just, just the guy in his world.com is up right now. You can pretty much just find the, the, uh, this, the podcast I am working on fitness and, and health kind of nutrition, um, uh, blog and just following through on a weekly basis. I'm trying to figure out exactly what I want to do there. I've been in the, in sports and athletics all my life. I've achieved a few things, and at the same time, I've learned what to do and kind of what not, what mindset to have and what not to have. I'm not an Instagram model, but I am fit, and so I, I just share with with people what I do and some of the ideas, and I don't know how much I'm going to get into diet and all that good stuff, but it's there, and this weekend, I'm recording also some elements for my life on the water. I fish, and... I'm in Florida and I fish and people spend a tremendous amount of time and money on things they don't need to. And I bought a boat six years ago and spent so much wasted money and time doing things that I didn't need to. And so I'm just going to share that with, you know, things not to do and things to do and um, focus on that also. I mean, hoping that it is a way to bring more people to the, to the podcast. So Give it a check out if you want. Um, it'll be interesting, hopefully. Give me some advice. If you have some comments, let me know. You can just hit the uh, contact me um, over on the on the website. Um, share this if you think it's of value. And you know, share it with your friends, family, whatever. And uh, again, I'm just grateful for you. I'm grateful for the Lord has put on your heart, my heart, our journey, that we need to be on a journey and that you're walking it with me. So with that, Lord God, I thank you so much for today. Again, I lift up the people of Ukraine. I lift up the people of Russia and and all of Europe. And I lift up the Americans too, the U.S. We are facing so many challenges. There's great division amongst the people. There's questions about our leaders. There's inflation. There's unemployment. There's just so many different things, Lord. And then now we have this disruption this, this, these issues, people dying in Ukraine and Russia. And I just pray that you would comfort, that your Holy Spirit would provide comfort and peace on people. 
I know when they're in this the danger that there's not going to be a lot of comfort and peace. I just pray that you would, those who know you, that you would hold them close, keep, keep them from harm or pain. And I just pray that those who don't, that they would meet you in their greatest tribu- tribulation and their trials. And I pray for our nation and our leaders to make wise decisions. I pray for your spirit to be fully flowing and enveloping our nation. And I just pray that you would be the center of our decisions and that our nation would come together in the, in the huge chasm be repaired. Father God, I thank you so much. I just pray for each person that you'd watch over them and keep them safe as they join me in this journey. I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and thanks for joining me on my journey back to God. Talk to you later.